Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top, the body positive, sex positive show. This show contains explicit language, not suitable for most minors or easily offended majors. It contains opinionated discussion about politics, race, sex, fat folks, gender, which may not be suitable for conservatives. Additionally, some shows may contain references to science, statistics, history, research, mathematics, and reality, which may not be suitable for American evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. <laughs> I'm Auntie Vice. Thank you for indulging me. I have my lovely co-host tonight, Amy Estes. I have wanted to see how awkward I could make eating a banana on stage for years. And then Amy posted about having to try and eat one in four-minute passing period while teaching junior high. And I'm like, we're eating them on stage together. I will find a way to eat bananas on stage. So yes, Amy is my co-host tonight. She is an amazing comic. She is a very brave woman and she teaches in junior high. So welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Eating it in front of you is almost as awkward as I think it's just an awkward I think it's just what it is. So It is. It is. But delicious. Hey, I believe everybody should eat and I believe fat chicks should eat on film cuz I'm big into destigmatizing cuz when you're bigger it's hard to eat in public. It's scary to eat. Right? It's scary to eat. So, yeah, we have cookies. We have shortbread cookies tonight. Hi to the YouTube audience. I need to give a special shout-out to Stab. Thank you for hosting us again. It's a great theater. Um, And they're hosting the Sacramento uh, Podfest next, or two weekends from now. We are are on it. We are on the June 1st at 11 p.m. We will be back here with more guests talking about more lovely things. And special shout out to people who have been supporting me online this week. Alex Jard from the Good Men Project, um, Cheryl Gann, and the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Tonight's show is all queer women. Yes. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We have so many bisexuals, I didn't know if we should have chairs or benches or pillows. (laughs) (laughs) So we will get to test how long... Three bisexuals can properly sit in chairs on stage. <laughs> you you get a pass. I do. You, I can do it. Yeah, all night is that? <laughs> <laughs> should ask the other Amy about that. I mean, yeah, I'm sure she'd. <laughs> yes, yes, and and we can test theories like, do we know what to do with our hands? The other thing I read was that lemon bars are the cookie of the bisexual, which I had no idea about, but I can't be mad at. I don't know. What's the lesbian cookie? Oh, I, now, I, I mean, I'm just trying to understand why the lemon bar is the cookie of the bisexual. I guess because it's part cookie, part creamy deliciousness. Like, is that it? I don't I, know. I, I don't know. I was why? very confused by all of that. I mean, lemon bars are delicious. What is the cookie of the lesbian? <laughs> Grino- yeah. Grino- A granola bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely vegan. <laughs> Vegan, yeah. gluten-free. Yeah. I, I think the best lesbian pickup line I ever had is somebody said, I make an amazing tofu scramble for breakfast. You should try it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, did it work, though? No, because tofu scramble is never amazing. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's too watery, yeah. and I don't think people press it enough ever. No. Myself included. Like, I've made it and been like, what? It's disappointment on a plate. Yeah. It's like, I'm not spending the night for that. God, no. <laughs> I mean, I'll spend the night for a lot of reasons. Don't get me wrong. Right, but, but that's not the way. Like, if, you were, if they'd said, like, oh, I, have a, I make a great, like, eggs benedict, my mm-hmm. ha- like, yes, I would have been 
on what a tofu scramble? No thanks. I don't need to be disappointed twice. Like <laughs> that's fine. Speaking of disappointment, you also posted about you had dicks drawn on everything. You I did. It's it is springtime in eighth grade, and gosh, they are. The, hor- the hormones are raging. Um, yeah, all four of my walls got a tiny dick drawing this week, which was, yeah, my door. Uh, when I started at my school this year, there was an enormous dick drawn in it. And then this week, a kid attached a sticker, and then they just turned part of it into a dick. It was very creative. I mean... I like to leave them because I know they're waiting for me to discover it and be like super offended. So I just like to wait. And they're like, have you seen anything on the wall? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, I'd be tempted to like put googly eyes on stuff on it when they aren't there. Yeah, I had one a couple of years ago in an old classroom where it started small and then kids would add different like dripping accoutrements to it. And I just like to let it... Like, I just like to let it... It's like a community art project to me. <laughs> I found it delightful. <laughs> and it's, like, futile. Like, why bother? Because there's just it's just going to be replaced, you know? <laughs> dick after dick. You know how it is. I think we all do. <laughs> it's like online dating. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> dick after dick. <laughs> you know, those of us who've, who've tried it, it's, it's a world. It is. I don't know what's worse, honestly. Like, I, I mean... <laughs> I didn't come out till later in life. I guess I didn't really do online dating when I was still dating men, but dating women online is rough. It's rough. What what makes it rough? I think like it's not I don't know how to put this like politically correctly. Uh oh, there's okay. a lot of downers on there. Like I just like yes, I want to like fight the power with you, but also like could we just get a coffee before we have to like <laughs> like is it cool? Can we just like talk a tiny bit before it's like Can I caffeinate? Yeah, like before we're like I just you know, we're going to dismantle the patriarchy. And also like there's just a lot like no disrespect to to Polly, anything it's just not for me and everyone i'd met would be like i'm in i'm in a relationship with six other people but i totally have time for you and i'm selfish <laughs> like i need all of your attention well like, all of it <laughs> i've done Polly. my my ex-wife was when we got married she's like we were not going to ape heterosexuality we were going to have an open relationship i'm like you want me to fuck somebody else to make you happy fine yeah like, <laughs> no no skin off my back on that one um but You've got to schedule like a soccer mom. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't have half time. Half of Polly is just Google calendaring. Like, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's impressive to me. I just know, like, when I met my now partner, we actually had, we met on OkCupid and we'd messaged like six months before and she's like, I'm casually dating someone else, but like, I'd love to hang out with you. And I was like, how dare you? No. <laughs> I'm a Taurus. I want all of your time. I want stability and I want good food. And that doesn't yeah. seem like you're going to be able to fit it in. So, Oh, there's a woman I know and she posted that she was a trans woman and she did not give a shit about astrology. I'm like, how do you date? Yeah, what? <laughs> Sorry, what? Like, I, I, no, and she's like, I, don't, I can't tell if you're kidding. I'm like, I have not seen a single ad for a woman in the last what, three, four years that's not like, this is my sign, this is my rising. This is, and yeah. if you're not into astrology, like, how do you date gay women? Like, <laughs> My partner and I got into an argument a couple of weeks ago, and she's a cancer, very sensitive. Uh, oh. You dippers. You guys just peace out whenever you feel like it. Oh, okay, so... Anyways, the most hurtful part of the fight was when she said, I know you're always sending me your astrology bullshit about how sensitive I am. And I was like, 
how dare you? And I haven't, I like haven't sent her a meme since. This morning I was like, haha. I like told her and she's like, oh, I was just mad. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it really hurt me. <laughs> like, that cut me deeply. She is not into astrology and it is a, yeah. she pretends though. Like she downloaded CoStar, like she's trying. It's like, okay. Dip a toe in. Yeah, like, okay, I'll listen to you and be like, oh yeah, I'm really struggling with my creativity today. Like she'll do it. She'll try <laughs> She's God bless her. She's the best. <laughs> I always like the the one that you know astrology may be bullshit, but Mercury in retrograde is really true. It oh, fuck, it's so true. Like yeah, no, I I know when it comes. Like, I'm like fuck. I'm not everything. Trying. Yeah, yeah. My whole life is shitty. Yes. There's that website that's just is Mer- Mercury in retrograde dot com and it either says yes or no. <laughs> that's it. It's the whole site. <laughs> No, like, seriously, if you're getting into a contract, it makes sense. You check the shit. Yeah, why not? The other thing I wanted to talk to you about since it's been a minute since you've been on the show is um, Sacramento people are having a meltdown over the new sex ad. Oh, they are. (laughs) Oh, goody. (laughs) (laughs) And you are right in the prime field. I am. Like, at that age where all of a sudden it's like, okay, you have to do sex ed in the classroom. And in California now, you have to include LGBT cue folks in the mm-hmm. sex ed and talk about it and Woo! yeah finally 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 uh, I, mean, I had my first lesbian date in junior high i should have known about some of this shit then i just no one ever talked to me about gay people i literally just was on a storytelling show and i talked about coming out and i just didn't have the language for it even mm-hmm. though in middle school i kissed a girl like that was my first mm-hmm experience but i i don't know why parents are so scandalized by informing their children that gay people exist well it was like don't you think your kids watch TV and media and don't you think that a lot of those kids are probably gay? I was raised very religiously and I am so gay. It's painful. <laughs> like I don't, you know, like I figured it out. Like that was yeah. the thing is like, nobody. I mean, I just think parents also need to get real about the fact that porn is much more available than it used to be. So please mm-hmm. understand that that is absolutely what your children are doing at sleepovers and yeah. things like that. It just is. I'm sorry. Like it just is. And I know that's very hard for parents to stomach as a middle school teacher. It's just always like my child would mm. never. And I'm like, your child yeah, absolutely totally is my <laughs> principal. God bless her. She all the time will tell his parents like we can work together if you believe me like that's it Mm -hmm. if you if you question everything I tell you like we can't this isn't going to work for us but you know I think that parents need to get very real about the fact that your children will figure it out with or without your help Mm -hmm. and also your child knowing that gay people exist at a young age validates it and it also keeps ignorance and hate from creeping in Mm because it's not a surprise to them and in middle school or high school they know yeah well and I there was a study it came out four or five years ago now from England. Mm -hmm. And what they found was the reason kids from like 15 to 22 watch porn is not so much for the porn to get aroused, but they're looking at figuring out how you introduce wanting to have sex with someone. And they're looking for those. (laughs) Buy them a pizza, get a job in cable. Am I missing (laughs) some basics? Like that's it. Well, all of a sudden it made sense that when I'm online and like these 20 something dudes are sending messages, like the second one is boom, dick pic. Like, because if you're learning from porn, it's like, and this will this will tell you how much porn I watch. <laughs> some of you will know the videos. Um, dude drives up next to some chick in the valley and is like at a gas station. Hey, you want to go back to my place and fuck? And she's like, Yeah, that's not a red flag at all. And they go and bang, right? Like, get into his car, at Shell, and you know, Burbank, and go screw in the valley. And it's like nobody thinks that's weird. 
But if that's where you're getting your information on how you date women, all of a sudden it's like, oh, all the shitty behavior finally makes sense. Right? Yeah. And I think that, like, that's, you're just empowering kids. And I, I too, like, I just, I don't get it. Like, why the up, I don't know. I think that it's, you know, visibility is always good. Gay mm-hmm. people exist, queer people exist, you know. Yeah. Uh, Period. Well, and, <laughs> your child knowing about it doesn't damage any. I don't understand. Yeah. Well, and you had the interesting experiences. You were outed at your last school. I and was. It went, went horribly. Did go very poorly. And you decided this year to come out to your class. Yes. How did you do that and how did that go? Um, I just, I started mid-year at a school. And so when I introduced myself, I said, you know, this is me. Just like every other teacher, like this is my family. So it's me and my partner and our dogs. And kids did not bat an eye. It was fine. And I will say that the only thing that I noticed was that uh, the number of kids that wore rainbow shit to school and suddenly were very much more comfortable being queer. I'm the rainbow club advisor and I have kids that just stop by to be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm gender questioning or I'm thinking about this. I have like 20 queer kids or allies in my classroom every week to eat lunch and just talk and they pay attention to queer meat. I learn from them. I learn their terminology, but I think for them, they've, you know, I've had them say to me, like, it's just really nice to not have a rainbow club with an ally advisor, but to actually have like a real live queer adult and parents email me. Like I had, a, you know, I've had parents reach out to me and say like, you know, I'm gay and my kid doesn't want anybody to know or whatever else. And it's just, it's nice. And I think like, I would have loved, I didn't meet a gay adult till I was like 21. And yeah. I would have loved to have known someone in middle school that was just like, yeah, and my life's very boring. I'm a teacher, show up every day. You know, like it's very mm. mellow. And so I think it's good for them. And it's it's been so fun for me. That's, I just love them. That's wonderful. Yeah, I would have loved to have a gay teacher. Instead, I was the gay on campus. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was. I was out and I couldn't pass a strike. Yeah. So it was like, I was the beard for so many gay dudes, like at all the dances. Oh, but they dressed so well. It was great. So my pictures all look fabulous from (laughs) high school. So I'm fine with that. I went to dances with almost exclusively gay dudes. And that was all all I had crushes. I mean, it all makes sense. Like I didn't come up till way later, but it all, all of those pieces of my life fit together so well now looking back. And so it's a, it's just a privilege and we have lots of gay books in my class, you know, kids read and they're like, Oh, I didn't, you know, it's fun. It's just fun. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, we have a great show for you tonight. We've got three awesome women here. We have Shahara Hyatt, who is a comic. We've got Sage Fox, who is the first openly trans woman to serve in the U.S. Army. Woo. And then we got um, Carly Duhane, who's head of Drop Dead Red. So Woo. it's all good. And, and we will be testing to see how many of them can sit properly on a seat. <laughs> so... As you came in, we had a bet. There, there are five queer women on this stage tonight. For those of you who know the lesbian community, there is a, a distinct possibility I have slept with one of them. So I had people bet. So let's see how it turned out. Oh, just one for no way. Like, oh. I think you all think I'm... Pre- yeah, yeah. And, and yes, I will let them out themselves, but yes... You are right. I, it is. It is a lesbian thing. We. Uh, I don't know. We have very very small communities. It feels like, even though I know a ton of queer women. Oh, but it's everyone knows someone. Yeah, and like, you can't go to a party and not run into somebody that you've dated or slept with. And um, yes, so yes, you are right. You do know your lesbians. It's unreal. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah. 
just I was telling all <laughs> device before the show started, my friend and I are starting a podcast and she and I played on a same kickball league and one game there were nine women I'd interacted with, either dated, <laughs> had sex with, talked to on okay Cupid, and then my current partner and I was like, Oh <laughs> Hi <laughs> Hello <laughs> Well and for the first time in decade literally decades, I'm dating a cis straight guy. <laughs> And so, right? Three and a half years ago in strong. He is, by the speaking of junior high, he is uh, DJing a homeschool kids party in Rockland tonight. (laughs) 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 Which, for those of you who know my man, know that story's going to be so good when he gets home tonight. I'm hella putting it up on YouTube. I just want to see his playlist. Like, please ask. I mean, I'm sure it's just Taylor Swift, but like, I want to. I, like a YMCA for when the kids are feeling wild. Like <laughs> we had a bet of how many kids like had to be paid off a of Craigslist to show up at this thing. Like, oh, poor buddy. Like, well, and you know he's going out as kind of this hipster guy, you know, looking urban in Rockland, and uh, it's Rockland. <laughs> like it'll be, it'll be interesting when he comes home. As someone who chaperoned many a dance in Rockland and who grew up in Rockland, like they're gonna be. He's way too cool for them. I'll just tell you now. Like, not even. Yeah. Okay. So our first guest tonight is Shahara Hyatt. I actually met Shahara when I was a researcher for the state. She is amazing. She runs the Homeless Youth Project. She's an advocate. She's a researcher. She's a comic. She's hysterical. And she's coming to the stage now. Welcome, Shahara. Thanks so much for having me. I am super excited to show you how poorly uh, I am at sitting still. <laughs> I, like, I didn't even know that that was a bi thing. I just, I was like, I'm the least comfortable person, so I'm always just like fidgeting. Yeah, like I didn't, I just thought it was me. And then I started reading and it's like, yeah, you can't, you don't know what to do with your hands or sit in the chair. I'm like, okay, I can't argue. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hate that these stereotypes are true, but damn it, they're true. Right. And the lemon bar thing, too. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you're not going to argue with I that, are you? That. No. Yeah, they're what a great cookie, though. Like, at least it wasn't Excellent. like a, I don't know, what's a gross cookie? Like oatmeal Hydrox. raisin. Yeah, like a hydrox. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you got to eat it. So I wanted to start with some of the more serious stuff. You're still working for Homeless Youth Project, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Just in general, why do we focus on homeless youth versus the homeless population in general? Are there differences between the groups? Yeah, there's definitely differences between the groups. I mean, I think that a lot of people do focus on homelessness more generally, which we have noticed means that a lot of times youth and young adults get left out of the conversation. So when you're just thinking about homelessness more generally, what it tends to default to is sort of sometimes like a single adult, chronically homeless population, mm-hmm. like the more like visible homelessness that we see on the streets. And um, then what gets left out a lot of times like family homelessness, child homelessness, youth, young adults. Uh, we tend to focus on those like teens to young adults who maybe aren't with their families. So they're homeless and unaccompanied um, because we there is, yeah, a real need to talk about that community specifically because they need specific interventions, right? Like right. you all know, I mean, just that age period of adolescence is such a unique time in terms of our development so they really do need things that are tailored for their stage in life yeah well and it affects lgbtq kids a lot more frequently correct yeah absolutely and that's actually how i got really passionate about getting into this homelessness space was learning that you know lgbt youth are 20 to 40 percent of the population of young people experiencing homelessness Um, and that's true not just like in san francisco and la that's true across the state and across the country so even in our like suburban and rural areas Mm -hmm. and and why is that the case 
Why do yeah. queer kids get homeless more often? Yeah. So a lot of times they're kicked out because of their sexual orientation or gender identity or expression. Um, and then also they become homeless because of the same reasons that everybody else is, which is honestly, you know, the inability to afford and maintain a place to live. But these young people in particular are also discriminated against in terms of housing, employment, education, child welfare, the juvenile mm-hmm. justice system. I mean, you know, we're standing on a mountain of literature mm-hmm. in each of those fields and... Uh, yeah, and not really talking enough about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as you go out and do the advocacy, uh, we have an exploding homeless pop- population here in San- yeah. or Sacramento. What are steps that people can take to help limit the impact on kids right now and provide services? I mean, people are always dropping off clothes at bins and stuff, but does that actually do anything or are there other steps we can take? Right, yeah. It kind of depends on who the people are, you know, that we're talking to. So, um, yeah, so I think for people that aren't necessarily involved in, like, movement work around homelessness or not policymakers or working with the community, I think something that we can do is try to interact with folks that, you know, across economic lines and people experiencing homelessness Um because that's the most humanizing thing that we can do, I think, really for ourselves. Um, I think sometimes people think that it's like almost like a life hack to tune out the trauma and injustice that we see around us. Um, I would say that the opposite is true. I think that we should all really try to tune in to what's happening uh, with this community, you know, either on an intellectual level or an emotional level, and I think that one will draw you to the other. So um, that's... I think for me, the biggest thing, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. that's also how we overcome so much of our bigotry in general is to try to interact with communities that we don't necessarily belong to, Mm -hmm. to change our, you know, stereotypes and understandings. And then, and then we become passionate. And then by listening to the community, we understand their needs and then we can be better advocates. Mm -hmm. So create relationships, listen and talk about what you hear. Yeah. And, I have a question. It came up on Twitter on a, a feed that I was interacting with a bunch of people. Uh, and because the show does a lot about how your body mediates and body positivity, somebody asked, how do you feel sexy when you're homeless? Mm. And so my question would be, is that something that people deal with or are all the other needs so much more? Because sex is kind of a fundamental thing. Right. So is that something that's ever really been addressed for people or do we need to address it? I don't think that's something we talk about very often. I mean, definitely people, you know, with and without a place to stay have sex and uh yeah that's of course a thing um but in terms of feeling sexy i think that yeah it really does hurt people's self-esteem a lot of times and mm-hmm. and it's about really like the projection from society toward them you know that hurts their self-esteem um but yeah there's no like safe spaces for any of that to happen and because when you don't have a place to live you have to do all of your activities out in public when you're unsheltered which is one type of homelessness yeah it can mean you can get caught up in the criminal justice system which for me is one of my biggest Mm -hmm. uh, causes around homelessness specifically is that intersection with the criminal justice system and that's an important point that's not talked about in our field in that field and in the work you're doing, do you have stuff coming up that you want to talk about with that or anything before we do a hard turn? Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, just real quick, I'm focusing on college homelessness in particular right now. So, uh, yeah, we know that in California, one in 20 UC students, one in 10 CSU students, and one in five community college students experienced homelessness at some point in the past year. So that's true in our state. It's really a bigger problem than I think most of us, even myself, would have expected. So we're writing a report about that. We're evaluating what supportive services are available on college campuses for homeless students and talking about what exists and what the gaps are. Um, Yeah, so we've got a report coming out soon. That's insane. I I, I can't... (laughs) 
I was going to say as an educator, just I used to teach high school and we had a number of students that would get accepted to school. They would do that hard work and then family wouldn't agree with them or something would happen and they would find themselves in the in a place of being accepted to a prestigious college, mm-hmm. unable to pay for it and trying to like go make it anyway. And yeah. it's, I think sometimes even as teachers, like we think, oh, we did the hard work, you're into college, but we forget like, no, that's a whole other a whole other journey right and that's heartbreaking that you know you do this work and I think oftentimes in our society like college is painted as a way out and it's right that's not accurate yeah it's like education can be a pathway out of poverty but also it can really saddle people with a lot of debt so I think it does kind of work both ways and if you don't have that family support around you know making those choices with informed consent it's difficult it's a huge challenge Mm -hmm. well and just trying to get through school as a homeless like it was hard enough living in a New York dormitory. Like, that was bad. (laughs) So I can't imagine trying to do your homework in a car and not having a place to stay regularly, you know, couch hopping. Totally. And people are resilient as fuck, um, and they do all kinds of impressive things, even when they can't meet their most basic needs. Uh, But we shouldn't be putting people in that position. You know, I mean, even that trope of, like, living off of ramen while you're in college, it's not cute, and that's... Yeah, just not going to set it's, people up for success. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's something I see a lot in education. It's like the one thing I wish that we could change is just focus on things like ACEs and whatever, you know, but yeah. just understanding like kids who are coming up, you know, from young ages, if they're living in a car or staying with people or couch surfing or whatever else, they are not going to have access to things that we think are like make you a good student. Right. And it's super frustrating to see teachers kind of push back against that. It's like, no, they didn't do their homework. It's not personal against you. They, they live in a car. Like, yeah. Totally. Settle down. Mm-hmm. Like it's also middle school. Right. Like, don't yeah. Yeah. Calm, calm down. Yeah. Shit's more real than, yeah. This yeah. Like they're, you know, this, we're not right just now. all crying over dances and hormones. Like right. there are kids with like real shit and let's maybe meet them there. Right. So let's do a hard turn. You are sporting the bisexual Bob. Yes, I know. I noticed a few in the crowd. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, this is a popular hair style. I also think bisexual Bob could be the name of a bunch of dudes I dated in college. Uh, <laughs> um, but, I mean, as a performer, you had to decide what your stage look was. Yeah. And you sport that and a fanny pack. Yeah. So what... <laughs> I have to ask, what went into those decisions? (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I get to come out before I've said a word. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think what informed these decisions is already that's how I dress. So I didn't do anything differently to to take the stage. I when I turned twenty nine, like four years ago, I just started having like problems with my feet. So like that let me wear tennis shoes. I had problems with my back, so then I was like not wanting to wear a purse, so I switched to the fanny pack. You know, it just created like kind of a sporty gay vibe. I've really run with it. Yeah. It's I mean I've seen you out of comedy and it is legit. Like the, <laughs> the fanny pack is just it's real. It's not it's yeah, darling. It's I mean like, yeah, like No, it's not your stage. stage. No. <laughs> it's just you. Yeah. <laughs> and my little brother did have a fun idea that I should put um those like crazy snakes in my fanny pack that like pressurize <laughs> Like, <laughs> I I'm want, really bombing, you know. <laughs> God, I just the big gun. I want you to do that at an open mic when someone is terrible or telling like rape jokes on stage. Right. You just like crazy yeah. snake them off the stage. Right. Uh-huh. That's my new dream. Yeah, please make it come true. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think crazy snake should be a band name. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. I love it. And I will play people off for saying rape jokes on stage. I know. I love you for it so <laughs> yeah. much. But, Absolutely. you know. Is that still coming up? As a th- I haven't been to an open mic in a while. I, Good for I you. hide in, in Napa. <laughs> um, I have self-preservation. Yeah. <laughs> but it, people are still doing those? Yeah. And I would say it happens less than when I first started, which was like pre-Me Too movement. So I see a little bit less of it. Honestly, sometimes just... You know, because that has become a topical issue, this like Me Too movement, then people, men, unfortunately, try to like grapple with it from the stage who haven't even tried to grapple with it. Like, you know what I mean? From their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hearts well, and brains first. But Shahara, they have such edgy takes. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't silence the edgelords well, among us. How dare you? And I am a sensitive cancer. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, why don't you just leave? That's what cancers do best. <laughs> I know. Now, I stick around way past anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I the it's a party or a relationship, I'm like the last one there. Are you? I promise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just follow the rule. You never leave until somebody asks you and they'll let you know when it's time to go. Right. <laughs> I yeah I admire your fortitude in running an open mic regularly I, I truly <laughs> it's it's not for the faint of heart yeah well and I get to like host or or co-host two of them um you know they're both yeah they're pretty different ones at the comedy spot every Monday night super fun 8 p.m uh and then the other one is at the other is at the Lavender Library, and it's an LGBTQ-specific open mic, stand-up comedy. It's one of my favorite things that happens all month. It's the second Wednesdays, um, yeah, at 7.30. It's a blast. So you guys both do stand-up and everything else. Yeah. Do you see people grapple with issues that are going on within the gay community, biphobia, colorism, any of that come up on stage? Again, I've been out of the loop for a minute. You know what's super interesting? And Amy, I'd be curious to hear any of your thoughts on this too. But um, my sister came, my sister who's also queer, she came to like a queer comedy show. And uh, she was kind of like, these are all gay jokes for straight people. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I would say too, until more recently where I've started to do a lot more kind of like queer specific shows and the queer open mic, um, a lot of, yeah, my like mm-hmm. queer jokes have been geared toward a straight crowd. So it's like where you think your punchline is going to be is more to shock like a mainstream audience. But when you're speaking to your community, they're just like, yeah, you use it a strap on. Keep going. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> right. Like where's the, hu- where's the humor? Recommendation the- or something I can <laughs> right. use. Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny. I was on a show last night that was not queer specific, but I have a lot of jokes about being gay, obviously. And um, I started talking about one of them and a dude from the back row yelled, not a surprise. Like he wasn't shocked that I was gay. <laughs> and it really like, it kind of shook me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Cause like yeah. I've been heckled before, but I realized like so much of being a queer person is making yourself palatable <laughs> to a straight audience. And when you feel like I'm not even going all the way in, dude. And like, you're still, that's still the way that you're talking to me. It's, it was like a real interesting moment for me just to think like, man, and I do love like a queer space or a queer show when you're like, I've done jokes about like Tegan and Sarah, the Indigo girls and like a straight audience is like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) like those sound like nice bands and like a lesbian crowd dies. Like I, you know, like I, it's just interesting to see. And so, yeah, I don't think that as a queer community, like in comedy, I feel like it's still pretty we're still kind of coming off of like Ellen as show pony yeah. <laughs> years where like that's there's so few like famous queer comics still. Yeah. And actually I got heckled super recently. Uh, one of the jokes I've told the most often I say, you know, I'm bisexual on stage and uh, yeah. And this guy yelled from the crowd, prove it. 
Oh. And I mostly just kind of berated him, but what I wish I had said was, um, yeah, are your mom and dad here? I'll fuck them both. <laughs> you guys have to benefit. Clearly, this is not a straight audience. God, I would just, that's, I like that. That's number one. Now, Crazy Snakes has now dropped to number two. I'm just letting you know about things I want to okay. see you do on a stage. We're already on my new five. Yeah. <laughs> that hot five is going to be so good. <laughs> so how did you move from serious researcher into comedy? Like, that's a step. Yeah. It's a big, big step. Yeah. You know, I've been doing, uh, yeah, advocacy around youth homelessness now for almost 10 years. So in September, it'll be 10 years of the California Homeless Youth Project. Which is just hysterical, right? <laughs> it's absolutely wild. <laughs> Time has flown. And then I've only been doing comedy now for a little over three years. So yeah, it's something I'd always considered doing. And like so many things, I mean, I'm I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just like take a lot of different types of like adult ed. Like, I don't know, I learn Spanish, like any, Aww. yeah, all the time. Um, and so I thought comedy was going to be one of those things that I tried, you know, mm. just like see how it goes. And then like a lot of us, you know, I got fucking obsessed mm-hmm. with it. And then, it, you know, it just, it, I didn't even move into it with any intentionality, which is something now three years in, I'm starting to think about like, okay, mm-hmm. what does it mean for me? The learning and experimentation and performance are my favorite parts. And I'm trying to just stay focused on that stuff. Does it translate over to your other day job? Yeah. Okay. So actually really cool. Uh, in two weeks from now, I'll be in D.C. at a national conference on the criminalization of homelessness, and I'm doing comedy at their reception. So that's, <laughs> that's so awesome. Like that's awesome. Blend of what I do, and you know, some of you maybe seen stand up, my stand up. Um, I do some jokes about homelessness, just based on what I've learned that are punching up. Because usually, when homelessness is invoked from a comedy stage, mm. it is always invoking stereotypes, mm. and it's always about that crazy homeless person doing something wild. And it's like, yeah, no shit, man. People have untreated mental illness. It's not the funniest right. thing I've ever seen. Yeah, so it's nice to flip the script on that. And mm-hmm. I think that that honestly, to me, has a bit of a chilling effect mm-hmm. on some of the other comics that would be doing homelessness jokes, especially at my open mics. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, are. There's a surprising number of people that feel like that's an easy yeah target, yeah, and I I mean I love your like what are you jealous? And we like have, <laughs> at my house we've adopted that as like a as like a line frequently, not just you know about that, but just it's it's great and it's such a good thanks. Okay, so we have this point on the show where we ask all of our guests four questions. Okay, so my first question is, what is your go-to munchie? Um, I get high every night, uh, so <laughs> I'm we like, encourage that. there's always something. Um, yeah, I'm a chocolate queen for sure. It's got to be like a chocolate bar, like a good one. Yeah. Do you have a, a preferred brand? Um, I don't know the brand name, but there's this one. It's like it's got ginger and lemon in it and Ooh. dark chocolate. It's really, really good. It's kind of spicy. That's mm-hmm. fancy chocolate. It's my favorite one. I yeah. like it. Um, what is the worst advice you ever got? Let's see. Someone, uh, when I first got into this whole, yeah, field of social work, I was doing, I was a drug and alcohol counselor and yeah, somebody told me they will eat you up and spit you out to like, to not pursue it as a career while I was like Mm. pursuing my education to do this job that I was hugely passionate about. So yeah, that was some foul shit this old dude tried to say to me (laughs) to just like derail my life plan. Stunned Um, to hear that it was a dude. (laughs) Yeah, right. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't. So... (laughs) So there you go. Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> what is one thing everyone should try in a lifetime? 
gosh. You know, it's definitely not for everyone, but I'm going to say Burning Man. You guys, we live so close. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, it's a blast. If you're at all into a desert vibe, it's worth it. If you're not, yeah, don't, obviously. (laughs) You know, I got to say, I have very strong feelings on camping. Yeah. And luckily, so does my partner. (laughs) This does not camp. I need portable (laughs) medical equipment to sleep. This does not camp, right? right? And luckily, I date a man who was in the military, and he did his time and has no need to camp again. (laughs) I'm I'm like a secret wannabe burner. It's always right as school is starting, so I've never been able to go. But like truly, one of the biggest regrets of my life is being 21. Someone offered to take me, had a ticket for me. And it was like before, like I'm 36. So this is like vintage Burning Man when it was still like (laughs) not, you know, San Francisco just moved to the desert. No, no disrespect to burners. Uh, And I just think about it all the time. Every year when I see him going, I'm like, go, have the best time. I'm so jealous. I'll eat. I I will go eventually and I will either love it and like try and find my true self or need to come home after like one night. I don't know which yet. We'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Well, I love the fact we live in an area that now three weeks before Burning Man, Orchard Supply and Home Depot are like, do you need to finish your Burning Man statue? We were having sales this week. And it's like ad campaigns. Yes. Like I was listening, I was driving in the car and it's like, Orchard Supply now has, you know, discounts and all your needs for Burning Man. I'm like, how the fuck did this become like, <laughs> like corporate takeover? Like, I, I feel like it's time to start a new thing. It's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, know. it does have really like radical queer values, which is really sweet. I mean, it's like a big art party, um, of course, but yeah, but there's some, there's some depth to it too, which yeah. it, honestly, I mean, it's my, it's my, it's my dream. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Yeah. I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> and you bet the last question. Oh, yes. Um, what is something that you're grateful for? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to say right now, I'm really grateful for my sweet, supportive partner who is here tonight and here Whoa, at so many He of is my the shows. best. He's a true peach. Yeah, I love him a lot. So, if people want to find you, if they want to go to your mics, if they want to see your shows, you've got a, several coming up. Where do we go? Yeah, okay. Um, so, um, on January 7th, I'll be in Santa Cruz at the Poet and the Patriot. Yeah, you can catch me any Monday night at the Comedy Spot or every second Wednesday at the Lavender Library. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Woo. Thank yeah. you. Shortbread is my favorite cookie, so I'm <laughs> delighted. That's why we have them. Thank okay, you. so coming to the stage next, amazing woman. I met her actually at a bar one night. Okay, so we have Captain Sage Fox coming to the stage, first openly trans woman to serve in the U.S. military. She also is a mom. She's going to graduate school. She's getting her Ph.D. And she has a ton of new tattoos and wrestling water. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So we obviously have to start you Served as an openly trans woman in the U.S. military. I was the first one to transition in service and be invited to come back and serve openly. And, and how did you get them to do that? Uh, bribery. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I threatened with regulations and basically said, look, you know, the, the DSM had changed at that time. Regulations are based upon the old DSM, not the new DSM. And I said, look, you guys can kick me out. And if you do, I'm going to sue your asses and I'll win. And they ran up the flagpole to the general staff level. And, you know, of course, one of the attorneys said, well, she's right. And um, so they let me come back in. That's awesome. And I was a great officer and a great leader. And that was one of the things. So there's all these people saying they deployed with them and how great I was as a leader. Like, well, why not come back and serve? And about two weeks later, some, you know, somebody who was a coward, you know, created some orders for me that I wasn't supposed to get and kicked me out. 
It's mm. crazy. Um, so you have this interesting period where you're transitioning. And a lot of people I know who've transitioned, you can do it more privately, right? You don't have to do it all at once. You didn't have that capacity. It was very public and very known very early on. How long did it take for you to kind of settle in and get comfortable with yourself again as you move through, you know, living as, you know, as a man to living as your authentic self? Can I get back to you about five years on that? <laughs> uh, transition is something that never ends. Um, it's, an, it's the art of becoming. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to tell people that um, being trans is a gift in some ways. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of negativity that goes with it. There's a lot of hassles, a lot of problems. There's a lot of burden. But in a lot of ways, um, we're forced to look in the mirror and figure out who the hell we are. And that's something I think a lot of people don't ever find a need to do. Or don't feel they're forced to do. And the fact that it's survival, it's a, nece- it's a necessary thing, makes it, you know, it's a wonderful thing to try to, to constantly figure out, okay, who is my authentic self? Right. And people focus a lot on the transition on the physical. Mm-hmm. But you've also changed a lot emotionally in how you approach life. What's the biggest thing you've noticed outside of the physical as you've moved through the last 10 um, years or so? Wow. I'm more comfortable in my skin. That makes a huge difference. I'm a lot more outgoing and a lot more confident. I mean, hell, I think I almost seduced you the first night we met, right? So, And that's the answer to the question. Uh, I, I waited a week, so yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I got good taste. What can I say? <laughs> no, no, it's really just being much more comfortable. I mean, now I look in the mirror and it's like, Dysphoria, you know, which means mm-hmm. distress, right? So gender dysphoria is, is one of the um, defining DSM things mm-hmm. for being trans. You can be trans without having gender dysphoria. But, um, you know, basically means distress over your gender. So you look at the mirror and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't like the way I look because of this, because of that. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting really excited one day because I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, my God, I feel fat. I don't like the way I look. And I was like, oh, my God, it's, just, <laughs> it's a regular girl thing. It's not being trans at all. <laughs> So I was really excited by that one. But uh, yeah, no, that's actually fantastic. That's a milestone for me, yeah. Like yeah. complaining about boob sweat, and it's like, oh, I have boobs. Oh, don't get me started on that one, yeah. <laughs> it's that time no. I, I'm sitting on stage and going, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very aware of it. You've also done other things to transform your bodies. The tattoos, those are, are ample and fairly recent. Yeah, in the last two years couple ago, I had no tattoos. And no, a couple more than two years now. I had a few before I started transition. I held off because, you know, tattoos are permanent. And, they, and they're painful. So I wanted to make sure that was something I was comfortable with. So after transition, you know, figuring out who I was and getting a better idea of who I wanted to um, show to the world, I started getting more tattoos. So yeah, I've got, you know, arms. I haven't got full sleeves yet. I'm working on that eventually. Um, full back done, sides done, uh, working on this leg now. So yeah, it's my kids' college fund. Is I'm, I'm wearing it now. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Yeah. Hey, hey, two of them already passed that age. They can pay for it. You just got the other two. Tell it, yeah. <laughs> Tell it to their other mother. <laughs> but do the tattoos change the way you look at yourself in the mirror? Um, I don't know. I, I suppose, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, I grew up as a redhead, so I have freckles, right? So you learn to look past certain things, mm-hmm. and certain things just become, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is for with the tattoos now. I mean, for the first few months you get when you're like, ooh, that's exciting. You look at that. Look at the great. You know, I get the whole back tattoo. So I used to wear things that showed it off all the time. And now I'm like, oh, so it's like, oh, I love your tattoo. I was like, yeah, which one? 
you know? <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. No, people have different... Re- For me now, I just want to get naked as much as possible because I have them all over and want to see... But That's yeah, true. everybody yeah. has a different That's reaction. True. Yeah, you have great tattoos, too, though. Like, I love your ink. Yeah. We, we compare and we compare artists and stuff. Yeah. We actually have got looked at some of the same artists oh, to yeah. do our work. Yeah. Do you have any? Tattoos? Yeah, I have these four, and then I have one on my foot. And I I, agree. I think you do, like, learn to look past them, but I also think they, at least for me, they've been defining in terms of how I... Oh, absolutely, You know, yeah. like, I, they are meaningful, and I think that... You know, and again, yeah, every tattoo... I mean, everybody's different on tattoo philosophy, and some people are just like, oh, I like the way it looked, you know, mm-hmm. and some people have, like, deep mm-hmm. meaning to them. And it's a milestone in their life, or it represents something, it, or it's something that means something to them. Mm-hmm. And I had a woman the other day at the farmer's market, and she's like, oh, my God, I love your tattoos. What do they all mean? I was like... <laughs> Uh, they have lots of meaning to them. Fuck you! I don't know. Yeah, like I'm not gonna tell you. I have a friend that got tattooed, and she had one that was just really unique. And people would always ask her, like, "What does it mean?" And she was super defensive about it. And I was like, "What is like? It's public art. Like, what are you thinking?" And she was like, "I just don't think I owe anybody the backstory for everything." And I didn't think about that until I got this one. That's it's a tarot card. It's but it's very meaningful right. to me it means you know it's important to me it's like i don't it feels revealing sometimes i think when people ask those mm-hmm. questions yeah. like what sometimes i'll tell them you know yeah I, i'll go into long stories about things and it's very engaging conversation but like sometimes they'll ask about this one and like oh what is that oh that's archangel Azrael. it's the angel of death <laughs> conversation just ends right there yeah oh, that's nice yeah. yes yeah yes. okay so we're at that point where i get to ask you four questions Oh, okay, just four. Right. Just, just four. <laughs> I mean, we may ask others, but we we have the four standards. So, what's your go-to munchie right now? Um, my go-to munchie has been for a while dark chocolate covered espresso beans. Ooh, yeah. They don't get you too buzzed at night. Um, well, the pot offsets that, so yeah. So you just maintain like a neutral I, I space, a okay? Yeah, that helps. We call yeah. that neutral good. Yeah. <laughs> Balances out. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is the worst advice you ever got? <clears throat> so I was working in the Pentagon, right? And I was in my 20s. And uh, I had this colonel tell me, he says, you know, let's talk to about money because I was flat broke. And um, living in D.C., you know, with the, raising kids when you're flat broke just sucks. <clears throat> so I was, I was, you know, depressed and depressed by money. And he goes, uh, so Sage, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you spend that determines your success, your financial success in life. So I spent the last 20 years not focusing on making money, but in spending money. Mm-hmm. And it really hasn't worked out very well so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, kids will screw that up. Kids are not cheap. No, not at all. No. Yeah. yeah. So uh, speaking of, of children and spending money, are, are you guys going on vacation this summer? Uh, Burning Man. You guys are going back to Burning Man? Yeah. I knew oh, you were yeah, girlfriend and I are going to Burning Man. No, my kids are on their own. So... <laughs> No, actually, my two younger boys are going to Europe for three weeks nice. next next week. Actually, they're oh wow! Home. So yeah, nice. but you get to go to Burning Man again. I got to go to Burning Man again. Yes, they're definitely one of those experiences. It was it was a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, you went so, last year, right? I went last year, yeah, yeah. It's funny because it kind of brought back. You know, I was a homeless youth myself, one of those mm-hmm. homeless queer youths. Um, so I've had a very interesting life, and and having been deployed in, into the Middle East, going to Burning Man kind of felt like coming home yeah. in a lot of ways. One, it's very queer-friendly, and it's, it's just a great party place, and it's very spiritual and deep. All those things are wonderful, but it's like, well, a desert and Port of Johns. Yeah. It's solid there. Yeah. And um, 
What is one thing everybody should try in a lifetime? Uh, well, I was going to say Burning Man, but that was already taken. <laughs> um, hallucinogens. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and not just because you know tripping is great, but uh, and I did a lot when I was younger. But now they're finding all of those pharmaceutical aspects of it. You know, psilocybin um, creates, relieves depression, long-term effects, could permanently alter your brain, may make you more creative. People are doing microdosing now of all these things. So really, it's something that I think people avoided it because of the huge stigma around it, because mm-hmm. of it's this fear and the danger. But if you can find a clean source for something, I definitely think it's something that is worth looking into. Well, and they're now legal in... Uh Denver. Denver, yeah. 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 And they're looking at prescribing for medical purposes now, too. Yeah. Well, and so, they yeah. just released the ketamine spray, too, I think, for depression, mm-hmm. or they're looking into it. Yeah, it's, spray. yeah, it's so interesting just to see these advances. As someone who suffers from depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. it's really exciting to see this new research. I have like four or five friends now that have told me that microdosing has changed their life. As an educator, I'm a little where just you know it's not legal it's a great way to lose your credentials so i'm a little nervous <laughs> right but it's just really interesting to see the you yeah. know the advances that way yeah, yeah, and, you know, again i'm working on my phd in psychology so i read about a lot of stuff all the time doing research on these things and i find it funny that you know ketamine some of the drugs you know can relieve anxiety and depression because i can't tell you how many times i was tripping as a teenager high on something and like Somebody was like coming on to me about, can I borrow your car? Can I do this? And once, and actually a narcotics agent actually borrowed my car one at night when I was on like four hits of acid. And that oh was my gosh. very anxiety producing. <laughs> so I'm still trying to figure out the link in that one. But yeah. Well, and it's interesting. They are using ketamine to reduce pain, right? Mm-hmm. And I have an aunt who has this complex pain syndrome. And she's been going in, and once a month, it's three days on a ketamine drip. And like all my friends who are into it, it's like three days on a ketamine drip. Like, <laughs> where do we where where do we get that? How, how, how do we get that? Much? I am also in pain. <laughs> Ow! Yeah, Ow. it hurts. Yeah. Uh, no, it's crazy because like I've lived with bipolar since I was a kid, and mm. so people are like, "Yeah, hallucinogens." I'm like, "Yeah, I just stopped treating this shit, and I can see." fucking frogs walking around like yeah and that's how i knew i was crazy and these really nice like disney frogs telling me what to do and they were all really kind and my inner goth chick was like that shit's fucked up like (laughs) if it was screeching bats i would have been fine but these were like little cute frogs and they were giving me supportive messages and i'm like i'm crazy but it was positive though it sounds like a positive experience yeah i mean (laughs) i i was like but yeah clearly they that's not normal. Yeah. Like, so I want to kill myself. Yeah, that's normal. Frogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 90% of my trips were all positive experiences. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that, that 10% that you're like, fuck, when's this going to be over? Oh, my God, this really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's one thing that you're grateful for? My kids, I think. You know, I've mm-hmm. got four kids. I lost most of my family in transition and a lot mm-hmm. of my you know, close friends, though I've made a shit ton more um, because I'm awesome. And, uh, and I've lost some friends. No, my kids, they all, they've been great, very supportive of the transition. Um, you know, they call me Ama. Um, mm. I'm the second mom. So I have a great, I have a better relationship now with my children, my adult ones and my younger ones, than I did before transition. Mm-hmm. And you're a grandma. I'm going to hell out to your grandma. Uh, my grandma, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> how, is, how is the new one? He's walking now. Oh, my God. He's at, he's at 10 months, um, and uh, my, my grandson, Xander, and my oldest daughter's son. Yeah, he, I saw videos the other day. He's walking now. Aww. I try to see him, like, once a week. It doesn't always work out. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just great to see 
the transformation, the changes, and it just feels like it's too fast. It doesn't it go, I have two nephews and I feel like it just flies. One of them is 10 months and almost, you know, just walking there. He's becoming a person and it's like, wait. And the difference between being a a parent, you know, when you're, and being the grandparent is one, I don't change the diapers, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mine, I would do it, but my mom, my daughter's there, so she does it too. It's like, I don't, I get a semen bursts. So it's Mm -hmm. like one of those, you know, those, um, the videos when you see like every couple days you see a, a, mm-hmm. a picture it's the same kind of thing so I'm seeing this progression so fast right whereas for my, my daughter and my son-in-law they're like god this is taking forever this happened <laughs> right well and you're also sleeping which is you know like that is true I is yeah, true. yeah I don't know, rested, you know? Yeah. yeah I hear their stories and I'm just very thrilled we're not having yeah, children in my house hours sleep is for a good reason yeah <laughs> it's way more yeah. fun than a crying child Typically, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So you do connect with people online. You do chat with folks and all sorts of stuff. So if people want to find you, where do we go? Facebook, Sage Fox. Um, there's like five Sage Foxes in the country. I'm like with the person, not with the fish or, or a gun. Surprising, <laughs> I'm not in the guns. Or not in the military. <laughs> Think on Instagram at uh, Sage Foxy. You can find me as well. Fox Sage on Instagram. Is it Fox Sage on yeah. Instagram? I, I had to I'm, tag you this morning. The I thing. don't go on there, obviously. Sorry. You know. <laughs> Ironically, my, my degree is in media psychology and I'm kind of burnt out on technology because I did it for 20 years mm-hmm. and I don't go on media that often these days because I'm spending so much time like focusing on academics and schoolwork that my kids are always like, hey, come play this video game. Come do this. Let's do the VR thing. I'm like, I don't have time for that shit. No, that's graduate school. Yeah. That's graduate yeah. school. Yeah, we, we've talked about this and like at some point in graduate school, you get to the point where like, I just need to schedule like masturbation and bathing because like this oh that's no shit absolutely yeah it, I mean it's if crazy I can, if I can squeeze in masturbation like twice a week oh my god I'm feeling like I'm really treating myself like, right. yeah like yeah. I got my shit together this, like I had points where it's like no you have to take a shower like you're going to leave the house you have to shower and it's like shit that's gonna take thirty minutes oh, you yeah. know oh yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah. Well, that's working out all the time too. So yeah. Yes. Well, and girlfriends and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, that they take time too. They do. But that's a, that's you know necessary. Well, I wouldn't call it evil. It's it's. it's <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on right. the show, and we'll talk soon. All right. My last guest of the night is the singer, the front woman for Drop Dead Red. I've been trying to get her on the show forever. And uh, when she dropped a video on Facebook a couple months ago, I had to head her up and see if we could get her on to talk. So welcome to the stage, Miss Carly Duhane. Woo! Hello. (laughs) It's so great to have you on the show. As I automatically just sabotage everything. It's great to be here. I'm very excited. <laughs> so Drop Dead, you guys have a newer album out, right? We do. We released an album last year in 2018 called uh, Air Raid. And the only reason I kind of stall on this is I started inadvertently and also kind of purposefully somehow naming all of the albums that I've made elements so my first one was rain station then inside fires now air raid and then the one that we're going to be releasing at the end of the summer will have to do with the ground and the earth so i will eventually come up with a cool name and title for it but i do not have that just yet awesome (laughs) so my first question I've, i've known people who've managed bands how do you manage a band and haven't killed anyone yet 
Uh, because I'm the number one asshole that I have to deal with. <laughs> it's it's a lot easier when I'm the pain in the ass. It's it's pretty tough, especially because we have had band management, and then we haven't, and then we have, and we haven't. And myself, and thankfully now I'm not alone. My drummer has stepped forward, Cody. And between the two of us, we're getting a lot more done. He's far more eloquent. I'm way more impatient. <laughs> so I'm like, let's get it done, solidified now. And Cody's sitting there going, just these long, eloquent, beautiful speeches of, oh, we're very excited to be working with you. How can we make this work out even better? And I'm just like, what? what's the money situation? <laughs> Are we booked? Are we booked? Are we not booked? Can I get a date? That would be really nice. <laughs> That's awesome. So how long have you been working as a professional musician because now that's your full-time job now right yeah Ooh, let me do some math that may or may not age me i'm, I'm approaching 20 years and i started at 18 that's fantastic wow. congratulations thank you very much yes and you have made the you know one of the things when you were talked about your video is you live with lupus uh mm-hmm. systematic lupus and you've reached a point where a day job isn't real doable anymore. It's almost physically impossible. There are some days you feel outstanding and wonderful and you're ready to go. And then there are other days that kind of feel like you are in this vice grip of unexplainable either pain or tension or it, it's, it's almost like your body is constantly turning against you. And on top of that, I also have fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I was recently diagnosed with osteoarthritis. Since I was two, I've had rheumatoid arthritis. So adding all these things in, I'm kind of really happy to be sitting on my big 36-year-old ass right now because things are still moving. I'm still living. I'm mm-hmm. still getting things done. And uh, either I'm kind of bedbound or homebound or sometimes I'm out having a nice whiskey and uh, seeing some friends and getting very, very stoned. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Which I like that being the common theme here, that we're all you know, friendly. Yeah. People who smoke, we're, we're, we're good people. We are excellent people. <laughs> the best thing, like, I moved in with my mom a couple of years ago after my stepdad died suddenly. And she and I had always had this pretty fraught relationship. Mm. And I found out she is a hardcore stoner. Like... And I had never been prepared in my life to do Puff Puff Pass with my mom. <laughs> Who prepares for that shit? Right? Nobody tells you. Yeah. You just can't wait to smoke weed with your parents when you get older. Like, I want to. God, that's my dream. My mom, my mom is like the kindest most loving, most straight-laced human being alive. She would never. Yeah, she would never, ever. My dad, though, like, I think it wouldn't now, but growing up, I mean, he was like a child of the 60s and 70s, so he'd always say, like, you know, a couple of joints never hurt anybody. Like, that was his, like, go-to line, but I, <laughs> we haven't had that particular joy. See, oh. I, I never expected it of my mom, because when my parents met... Um, They met in high school, they got married, they went to a Christian community college together, worked for Campus Crusade for Christ, Uh, (laughs) they did the whole Billy Graham tent revival shit, like we were My first concert, a Billy Graham revival with DC Talk. Michael W. Smith. Yeah, oh, (laughs) hell yes. (laughs) You'll notice on 
the show too. The more we do it, the more we get people who are in like crazy ass religion shit. Oh man, my dad was a deacon in the Eastern Orthodox Catholic Church. Okay, we grew up wow. in, now called yeah. the Chaldean Church. He's still doing it, and luckily now he's working with Syrian refugees. So I, oh. I appreciate him now instead of kind of despised. Yeah, my, yeah, we my mom was a so children's opposite. ministries director for my whole life. Wow. So, yeah. Rad. I so was like real Sunday fair. school kind of. Kind oh of yeah, loving. but like real cute. Like she's you know the best. That's but like I was my very. Mom. I was Seriously, very. Is your mom's serious. name Susan? No, it's Peggy. Uh. But I was real serious about Jesus till I was like twenty-one. Yeah. Mm. I questioned that dude growing up my whole life. I was like, I'm pretty sure Jesus was tight, but his dad's a complete dick. <laughs> if if I can't like girls the way I like guys, this is gonna piss me off. I mean, I like I like Jesus, but this mouth didn't like you know, like I wasn't because yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was like a revered religious mm. figure. Yeah. See, I never really got drawn into like my parents would do the whole thing. We do Bible study. We have the Bible verses taped on the mirror that I had to memorize for the week and everything. Mm-hmm. So it makes me great for debating religious crazy people because like I got this shit down, yeah. but I don't buy it. Yeah, I'll Bible bash you um, any day. Let's go. Yeah, right. come on. Yeah, pull out that Ecclesiastes. I can do take it. it yeah. today. I've got uh, you on nine verses. But um, yeah, so they were very religious, grew up very religious, but I also knew that before they met, my dad was like the low-end weed dealer out of the back of the restaurant <laughs> he was working at. So I always knew my dad was like a little bit of a stoner. My mom never yeah. did it, but like moved into it with her and, you know, we spoke weed all the time and she gets hella munchies, which is funny. We started giving CBD to the dogs because they had hip problems. So the dogs get munchies and like, we're just this big stoner household and it was, it's awesome. Like. It that just people. makes my heart happy to I know, just what know. a delight. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, and we were getting ready to do a memorial of the second anniversary of my stepdad's death, and I'm like, mm. oh, I need matches. I couldn't find it. I went into my mom's bathroom and grabbed one, and it had the just nub, a little bit of roach left, <laughs> and it was the last joint she and my stepdad smoked together, Aww. and it's like, oh, so now we have like the little roach memorial. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. That's so sweet. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, no, we weed bringing people together. Always. Yeah, my sister got the Comcast guy stoned the other day, and then he fixed the shit out of her stuff. So you know, was, <laughs> <laughs> he rewired her whole house. <laughs> like that's the way you get shit. I hug everybody s- who delivers to me. My saucy person, my weed person, my Postmates person. Everybody gets this huge hug of just grateful gratitude. Like I don't want to leave my house. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh man, Postmates is like a game changer. Truly, like it's um, it's the only reason I feel like a cancer. <laughs> I am a cancer that <laughs> literally hates everybody. Loves to go outside. Loves camping. Loves fucking off. Uh, drinks a ton. Smokes a lot of pot. But also has several. Uh, partners who don't like me very much right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's fine. It's just because, um, un- unfortunately, and it was one of those things I wanted to tell you guys about via this podcast. My ex girlfriend Amy, Ooh. <laughs> who now lives in the Bay Area, she was one of those gals who was my U-Haul move-in. After a couple of weeks, she was in the house, and I was really into her, and I thought she was really cool. She was supposed to be in transition from one job to another, one home to another. It didn't end up happening that way. And one day I was just like, you gotta go. I can't, I, I 
I've never wanted to be a mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're not like a lover right now, so you got to go. And uh, Mommy fish, not sexy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But funny enough, our new roommate moved in with the U-Haul. He is uh, gay. He and his boyfriend came and helped out with my partner moving things in the house. And just seeing that U-Haul sent like tingles <laughs> down my spine like, oh, I remember those days. Oh, man. We waited. My partner's name is also Amy, and we waited four months to move in together. And Smart. Well, people, but we it's so funny. Our, our straight friends were like, God, you guys are moving quickly. And our lesbian friends You're were like, like, this is light years Yeah, they were like, times. what? You guys aren't yeah. living together yet? And we were like, no, we're not. Like, we took, you know, and that, I mean, it felt like an eternity, but also we both had like lived alone yeah. for a super uh, long time. And yeah. so it was like, the, you know, the best thing, but it's just funny to see the difference in, you know, community yeah. is like, holy Absolutely. shit. <laughs> well, and I still hold the land speed record for lesbian move in. <laughs> I do. I had my ex-wife sign our lease agreement to move in three months before our first date. <laughs> Okay, no. yeah, you win. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, like seriously, I that is some lesbian yeah. shit. Like that is you're so deep good. in the, the matter right damn. now. Like that's not even. Well, I mean, we met in graduate school, and uh, we were staying in the dorms together, which were shit, shit dorms in Times Square. <laughs> no, seriously, nobody believes me. I have photos. My dorm was ten feet long and six feet wide, and the bathroom was so small I had to step over the toilet to get into the stall shower. Like, the total square footage of the thing was under 100 square feet. This That's is, cruel and unusual. Well, and the only window faced out onto the air shaft that was six floors down, so I had no natural light. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am coming from California. I walked into the dorm and we just started crying. Like, but we were living in these dorms together, and we obviously wanted to get a real apartment, but this is New York. Yeah. My aunt was going to leave, so we were going to take over the lease, so we signed it. And then between signing the lease and our move-in date, we ended up dating. <laughs> and then we... <laughs> so then we had to have that awkward conversation of, do we try to find two reasonably priced apartments in New York? No. Or do we do or this do ourselves we just say, together? Fuck it, we're yeah. for two weeks and we're moving in together. Like, and it's like, well, fuck the relationship. This is a good deal on an apartment. And it was completely logical and we were together for 12 years. It makes complete sense. No, it, it, yeah, completely. I mean, that's the only way to do that, I yeah, think. Yeah, like, there's, there's not another solution. You're not going to find two reasonable I mean, places. I would live with someone who murdered my own parents in New York if I found a good deal. Do you know it what I mean? New like, York, you can't. New York changes standards. Yeah. I think as soon as you're living in New York and you have to find a place to actually solidify, become yourself, and become stable. There you go. Your standards just like lowering I, like an elevator with no end. I really didn't get it. A couple of years ago, a school was trying to recruit me to come out and teach in New York, and I was really excited about it until they said, Oh, yeah, we have a board for people to find roommates. Most people live with like four to six people, mm-hmm. and I was like, Are you mm. fucking kidding me? Like, no, I can barely that was live childhood. with childhood. Yeah, was I enough. can't. <laughs> I need. I need I barely like yeah. living with one person. That's too much. <laughs> too if, much people sometimes. If you want to hate other humans but feel better about your life, there's a website called worstroom.com. <gasps> See and it? All the Craigslist lads for the shitty shitty places to live in like New York, San Francisco. My favorite It's so good though. It is. It's so good. My favorite is the they have this walk-in closet with two twin beds in New York and the top bunk is 650 and the bottom bunk is 550. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. And you don't get to choose your roommate. They're just filling them. I'm a bottom bunk person, by the way. Me too. I don't see... First off, I've always just imagined the weight of my body just <laughs> destroying someone. Second, I sleepwalk. I fantasize so, about that in a good way. Just yeah, the weight yeah, of my too. body destroying someone. I, I have looked at the I really enjoy how your brain works. Yeah. yeah. I just, <laughs> like, I could damage you with my tits and this is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like... Mean, and the top bunk you got to go to shit at night or yeah. say you're like me. You're a sleepwalker, sleep talker. <laughs> that is at least one broken appendage. Yeah. I pee like 19 times a night. And I cannot imagine having to climb a ladder. I almost envision you with a checkboard, just marking off the pee times. Like, yeah. Oh, God damn it. I can do it pretty much without even six. like being awake at this point. It's just like, okay, <laughs> it just happened. You can just night pee. I mean, I'm I can't so like without your thinking night about, I, I really, yeah, it's really just part of my life. That's a lot of info. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. So we're at the point where we're going to ask you the questions. <gasps> I'm so excited. about you, You've gotten to prep on this. Yeah. Yeah. You've no had some time to, to think. Else, I, I really did have some time to think. <laughs> so what is your go-to munchie? Oh, ranch sunflower seeds. I sit Ooh. in bed at night. With my David's Ranch Sunflower Seeds and my spitter. And I put on Unsolved Mysteries. We're on season six right oh now God. with Robert Stack. And we just rewatched the shit out of it. And me and those sunflower seeds. I mean, it, the really sad thing is even when you have your spitter, whatever, even if you've got a bib on, like like a Joe's Crab Shack bib, that shit is getting all over your bed. So imagine sex afterwards where the next day you're wiping and you're like, I have parts of seeds in my vagina that should not be there. Ooh, but it didn't but that know, ranch flavor, though. It's I mean, completely <laughs> worth it. It is completely worth it. I am the one who like licks the finger and gets to the bottom of the bag, and I'm just like, this reminds me of high school. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's delicious. It's fabulous. I just feel like we need to be real friends. Yeah, we like, really do. We really Unsolved mystery. Like I just want to watch murder and eat ranch flavored shit. Like that, that is my whole, life. Yeah, that is a whole scene that needs to be filmed. Like. <laughs> Abs- okay. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> uh, what's the worst advice you ever got? Keep the baby. Oh, ooh, ooh timely. <laughs> and and to just to to not to, to not bring it down too much. Yeah. Um, you will have people in your life give you complete unsolicited, like completely unsolicited advice. And one came from when I was still dealing with severe Catholic guilt mm-hmm. after a rape, and I was like, oh fuck, you know what am I gonna do? And they were like, you know, keep the baby. You know, the baby's not going to be a rapist. But I'm like, in this day and age, the rapist could have access and rights to see Mm -hmm. the child, including having them in my life. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my power as a woman, my fucking body, my fucking choice. And that's what I did. And I'm happy I never took that advice. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to bodies, especially if you're bigger and if you're a woman, people give yes. you advice all the time. Like, oh if- my god, my neighborhood <laughs> bodega, this son of a bitch. Every time I go in, he's like, "Your face is so pretty. You know how beautiful you'd be if you lost weight." And I was like, "No, I'm already fucking beautiful. I'd be thinner if I lost weight, <laughs> right. but I'm still a goddamn fox." Like. Keep your fucking eyes and your ideas of what you should be doing with me uh, arm's length away. <laughs> yes. And I still hate this guy. In fact, I bring my partner and my friends with me every time I go to that store because it's a fucking walk away. I don't want to get in the car and do anything. But, I understand. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry to derail there. No, no. Yeah. It, it, it becomes, like when you're bigger and you're, you're female bodied, all of a mm. sudden the world becomes like a Twitter feed. 
Right? <laughs> like, wait, we're sitting here just going, I can't wait for you to tell me everything you think about what I should be doing. And have eating. you tried yoga? Yes. Yeah, I watched, I, yeah, where they act like you haven't, like, thought about thought it. About it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, like, oh, you know what? I didn't even realize I was fat. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been <laughs> sucking for the things in. Like, planning out ways of going through aisles and getting through chairs the second I get into a place. That is a normal, normal thing. And I have to say... I've been watching the shit out of Shrill. Oh, amazing show. Best. I super recommend it. Fucking amazing. AD Bryant is everything. <sighs> I've been God writing. We have fat women who Thank are loving God. us. Like Lizzo, who my band gets to open for Woo! next month. Are you at Pride? At Pride. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm so on there the day before she is, so I'm going to just hopefully like want to meet her i was like okay so i'll, I'll do it but are you I gonna also, be able to go the day after yeah oh of course i mean okay, I, I was gonna say just talk to me front row Lizzo. with Lizzo. We'll, we'll just make out. it did you see her live last month in san francisco i did not it we was, had a show the same night it was like <laughs> it was like fucking church like i cried halfway like just multiple times like to be in a room with so many queer bodies so many people living in larger bodies yeah and like i wore a crop i've never worn a crop top in my life i wore a crop top i covered <gasps> my body in glitter <laughs> was one of my best friends in the entire planet just did that and is loving and owning her gorgeous body right now it's it was just one like i cannot wait and yeah my only fear i will say this is something i've talked about a lot with friends is like at pride i hope that we can keep our queer pals from being assholes as i i don't always feel accepted in a queer community as someone who lives in a larger body there's a lot of stigma there uh, my my partner is a bisexual man Mm-hmm. We are both, and, and if you take us apart and put us in different places, you would never know that we're like to fucking or together or in love. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, oh, he's super gay. She's super gay. Then you put us together and you're like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But we're both still super gay. And right. people don't get that. Yeah. Like, no. I am queer as the day is long yeah. in a gender. But as soon as I go out with my partner, people are like, oh yeah, they're a cute straight couple. And, it's like, and and we know we know that we are we are white so we already have privilege mm-hmm. we appear uh we're, we're cis and hetero appearing we know that that is one of the biggest privileges on the planet at this right. point so with our platform we very much try to be vocal and loud mm-hmm. and honest about everyone that we know who is experiencing not just erasure but complete and utter just backstabbing from the community mm-hmm. that they've supported and I have to tell you your story is fantastic and you've just given me so much vibrance <laughs> and love I'm sorry no 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 I know there's <laughs> another question I'm just like it's the reason I got so many bi people on is there is so much erasure mm-hmm. and especially if you're dating somebody of the opposite gender all of a yeah. sudden people don't see you anymore and the way we met is I was on an Cupid date waiting to meet this woman and she she completely stood me up and he ended up showing up with a bunch of my friends. And I was just like, oh, this gay guy is fucking tight. Like, I can't wait to be his friend. <laughs> and then months after we have sex, I'm like, whoops. <laughs> you do other things. <laughs> I'm into it. Let's, get, let's, let's do it. All right. Yeah. No, and I'm still sitting here three and a half years into my relationship going, I'm dating a, a straight cis guy. Like, when the fuck did that guy? Because <laughs> it's like, it's been so long. But I love wrecking his world. And we have an audience. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I fucking love it. One of our audience members tonight was over and we were hanging out and having drinks and pegging came up and Matt explained what pegging, what pegging is and the origin. It is. And the origins of the word. And so now, and like Sharon's mind was just blown. He's like, 
fuck there's a whole thing there right and i'm like wait till you see my collection um but now we'll be out and we'll be doing a show or something and somebody will ask it and he just sits back and he's like Oh, she's going to fuck up with their world. And you can just see this glow on his face. Like, I know what that is. Uh, he's also just the sweetest human being alive. Like, I'm kind of excited kind, to meet him. He's the kindest and like just, yeah, he's just a rad dude. Mm. Yeah. He's actually going to be at Pride. He's pr- playing with Erica Ambrin. He's her DJ. <sighs> yeah, For those of you who listen woman. to the show, we have Erica's been a, a co-host on the show. She's got an amazing voice. She's and, uh, so pretty. Oh, my God. Like... When he, he's like, yeah, I got this chick. She'll co-host with you. She came in, and I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna be able to talk tonight. I'm just gonna, <laughs> hey, girl! And then she like started talking about sex toys and stuff. I'm like, hey, girl. Hey girl. <laughs> Erica Ambrin is amazing. Uh, and then amazing. She, she broke out an acapella, and I'm like, I'm in love. I'm like, thanks, Ron. It's been fun. About <laughs> <laughs> three and a half years is coming to a swift yeah. end. <laughs> See what that dude oh, does. I'll, I'll be back <laughs> in a day or two. I don't know if she's into me, but that woman is incredible. Yeah, she really is. Oh, I hate that laugh. I'm sorry. That was so great. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> One thing everyone should try in their life. I'm going to go ahead and oh, this is actually a really hard slice between horseback riding and anal play. <laughs> and they have nothing to do with each other. Maybe not the mix. Don't mix those. That's Mike Pence's bag. Yeah. I don't want to mix those. <laughs> but what I would do is say horseback riding because a really phenomenal team and partnership that you feel with an animal is outstanding. And for me, I wouldn't be alive without my animals. I've got four cats and I would have like 60 more if my partner would allow me. <clears throat> one more please and then anal play because your booty gets abused you're sitting on it you're running into shit with it you're constantly just doing too much with your booty and to actually give your butt love whether it is from getting a really fabulous massage to inserting a finger to finding some amazing gel just to even put on there and make it feel soft and wonderful don't ignore your booty there are lots of holes on these bodies and they all need care so i say the booty deserves the care i i totally agree mm-hmm. i i have some of my favorite toys for that with electric stuff yes they're fun oh well <laughs> we need to talk, we'll have to talk afterwards this. yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's one thing you're grateful for? Oh. <laughs> um, my family finally accepting me. That's great. That's super great. Uh, growing up in a church where my father was the deacon and my mother was very subservient and all of my sisters are straight. And knowing at a pretty young age that I was attracted to women the same way I felt for men, sometimes even more stronger for women. I wrestled so much with how to identify and I started hinting toward it with my mom and with my younger sister and they were very cautious to talk with me. But then just recently I've been able to just be completely out. And most of it has come from dating my amazing partner, Alan, who we got married. We just celebrated a year recently Congratulations! where we are both still again, super fucking gay, (laughs) but we just celebrated a year together as a married partnership. Um, because 
how we have to take care of each other health wise is incredibly important. But having my family now finally seeing going, this is who she is. This is who she's always been. All these things that we thought were just weird quirks or her overcompensating. This is who she is. Mm -hmm. Finally seeing that and feeling it, especially from my dad, the one person I butt heads with, like we are both two like ankylosauruses or whatever, just like, (laughs) I love dinosaurs, but I'm probably getting you the wrong dinosaur version here. But um, having that, that's, that's definitely by far massive gratefulness. Nice. And if people want to find you, if they want to get your albums, if they want to hear you play, if they want to connect with you on social media, where do we go? Literally at Carly Duhane on everything. It's either at Carly Duhane or at Carly XYZ. Uh, my band is called Drop Dead Red. We Thank you so much for coming Thank on the show. It's wonderful to so finally much. have you on. I'm stealing this. Please do. Thank you for coming out to Stab. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you, YouTube people, for tuning in. We are at Fat Chicks on Top on pretty much everything. We have free stickers. We got other swag on your way out. And it was wonderful to see you. We will be back here June 1st at 11 o'clock. Thank you. Woo! This has been a Fat Chicks on Top production with your hosts, Auntie Vice and Gentlemen. Thank you to our sound engineer, Sharon Smith, and David Manga for our awesome music. For all things Fat Chicks, we're on every social media platform. For full interviews and explicit content, please subscribe to our Patreon.